0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: What on earth is a town of 21,000 people doing with two Northern Premier League teams?
0: The club nearly didn't exist because of the man who didn't want to give up time on the pool table.
2: I felt for a few years that we were one catastrophe away from Oblivion and it was going to be the floodlights. Um, It was either Infield or the merger didn't happen, if I'm being absolutely honest.
1: Everything was stuck in 1976. Here we go again, and hello from Daz at Pint of Football. I'm here to introduce the second of our three Lost Clubs bonus episodes from our recent podcast about Osset Albion and Osset Town. As listeners will recall, we had an absolute blast interviewing Osset's Finest, and we thought United fans would enjoy the uncut interviews. This second one is from when Tom and I spoke to James Rogers, a legend of Osset Town and now heavily involved in United. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to listen out to the full episode of A Town United, the story of Osset Albion and Osset Town over at Sports Social.
0: Okay, ready? Good stuff. All right, um... So, James, please could you tell us a bit about yourself, uh, your career in football, if any, and your involvement in Osset United Football Club?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, Pretty heavily involved in football and have been for for many years. I I suppose I'm told by my my great-granddad when he was alive that he took me to my first Leeds United game when I was uh, less than a year old. Because um, he wanted to make sure that wow. I became a, a Leeds United fan, um, so so I brought up and, and my great granddad actually played football at a pretty decent level as well. He played for Burnley um, in the nineteen fifties or something like that, so a long time ago. Um, and so football was part of part of my life um, as a youngster. I played at school and things of that nature. Supported Leeds United, bought my first season ticket, maybe first wage packet. Um, when, uh, when I could afford it, and I've been a, a Legion fan all my life. Um, I live in Osset, so when Legion not playing, where do I go? Well, I'll go to watch the uh, local football team, which at that time was Osset Town, um, and uh, started getting involved. Whilst I played, I didn't play anything serious, I mean, it was just make stuff, five a side stuff, never got, never played at any any decent level. Um, I did actually play at Ingfield, which is the, the home of Osset United, a few times, but that was always in dad's games. You know I mean, like under nines dads, the under 10s dads. Um, and uh, two highlights there I remember in 2008 it's probably the highlight of my career. I, uh, I scored um, on the Hallowed Turf of, uh, of Ingfield, which was a, a great achievement and a great memory. Um, nice. And then in 2009, I probably had my worst memory. Um, ten minutes into the game, um, uh, my calf tore um, from near enough bottom to top. Um, that put an end to my uh, unimpressive footballing career, and uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've not played since. And that was when was that? That was in two thousand, yeah, two thousand and nine. So uh, I've not played a game of football since then, to be uh, to be honest. Um, yeah,
0: that'd put you off.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it did. It was like being shot, to be honest. I do if you've ever had a similar injury, but it's uh, it's not nice. Um, I coached and managed junior teams for 16 years. Um, so that was a fair chunk of sort of uh, football involvement that I have, I've had. Um, I've spent a lot of time in sort of football club management and administration, about 15 years doing that, either at junior level or, or senior level. Um, and... Um, I became a director in Osset United when it formed in 2018 um, and been involved in Osset United since. And then the final point really, I suppose, in terms of football involvement in careers, I've also got my dream job, um, which is chair of the Leeds United Foundation, which is the charitable arm of Leeds United, which is the the club I've supported all my life. So uh, uh, to have that dream job as well as being uh, now chairman of uh, Osset United is uh, fantastic. I suppose yeah. the only
1: thing I was going to say. I suppose the only thing that could top that on all your career highlights would have been to score at Elland Road.
2: It would. I've, ne- I've never even actually kicked a ball on the at uh, oh. Elland Road. So yeah, that would be that would be nice. I have walked on the pitch, but not kicked a ball.
1: Not scored a screamer. No,
2: <laughs> and it's not going to happen now. I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, so my other question was, were you originally Town or Albion? Um, obviously, you've answered that. Um, and so what may, what convinced you that Osset United would be a good idea?
2: Um, what convinced me that Osset United would be a good idea? And it's, it's probably worthwhile looking at the history, really, of um, maybe Osset Town and uh, Osset Albion, I think, to, to understand that. So... Osset Town was formed in 1936. Um, The uh, the mayor of Osset at the time charged uh, a local referee called John Carter with the uh, responsibility of establishing a football club in the town and uh, with the aim of playing at the the highest level possible. In 1944, so just eight years later, legend has it that the committee of Osset Town fell out in lumps and two of them left to set up Osip Albion. So, in the early days, two clubs were created because of the fallout from uh, the committee at at town. So, as you might imagine, that created for a fair bit of time quite a lot of tension um, in the club. Now, clearly, I'm not not old enough to uh, remember those years, remember that time, but um, you can imagine if there'd been a fallout that... um, people maybe don't get on as, as well for, for a number of years afterwards until things are maybe in the in the distant past. Um, I think it's fair to say for all the years that I've been involved, 20 years, the two clubs to me sort of have, have lived in the town together with a friendly rivalry between the two. Um, and that's, I mean, the fact is you know, we all live in the same community. It's a pretty small community. We all drink in the same pubs. We all eat in the same restaurants. We all go to the same takeaways. We go for walks in the same park. So um, it was a sort of a friendly rivalry. And um, people moved between clubs when they fell out with one and went to the other one. And kids had uh, played juniors, uh, maybe Osset Town Juniors, and then they fall out for some reason and then moved to Osset Albion Juniors. So a lot of people in the town have had a lot of involvement uh, with, with both clubs. Um, and then it, it got to a stage when. Um, we start thinking: Does it does it make sense to continue to have two teams at this level in this small town operating? Is it is it holding us back? Um, and um, we took the view that it probably was, but it was never really the right circumstances or the right time to sort of move it forward. So there was always a desire, and I had a desire ever since I first got involved that that would be the right outcome to achieve, but it was actually getting, I suppose, the foundations of the right circumstances to enable that to, to happen and move forward. Yeah,
0: I've always wondered with, like, small towns with a couple of non-league clubs, like, how on earth people decide which one to watch. Like, uh, with, with, with for, for me, like, Bristol, it kind of, it's a big enough place that there's a, there's a lot of ferocity between the two teams and it's separated by a river. So that makes sense, but, like... Eastbourne, for example, has like three non league teams, and how on earth do you decide which
2: one? <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult. One. I think, I think in Osset, I think, I think the junior clubs played a big part. So, if you were in Osset Albion Juniors, you probably tended to go support Osset Albion. If you were in Osset Town Juniors, Osset Town. But we also had fans who supported both clubs. Yeah, yeah. So there, were, there were a group of fans who had never gone to an away game because Osset. But Osset Town and Osset Albion would generally always be home and away. we would never be at home at the same time, or very rarely at home at the same time. So they just keep go to all the home games of Albion and Osset and, and, and Town and see both. Um, yeah, that sounds all right, to be fair. Really.
1: Yeah, that is really handy, especially for the older fans who don't want to be trekking up and down the, the region... Whoever's at home on Saturday, go watch. Nice. I'm quite a big fan of that. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I, and I don't, I don't know if you know Osset, but the two grounds are literally 10 minutes walk away from each other as well. It's uh, we must be, we must be the smallest town in the country that had two teams playing at this level. Yeah, I would, I would suggest.
1: Yeah, I'd imagine so. I know when I, when I think of like grounds that close, I always think of like Wellingborough because they've literally got two grounds touching each other, but I think they're a couple of divisions below, actually. I think they're United Counties <laughs> level.
2: Uh, yeah, I believe they are, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, nice. Right, what we're going to do, James, we're going to move on to my questions, which are more aimed at the the actual merging of the two clubs. So, um, I know you'd said since you've been involved, you've always sort of fancied the idea of it happening, but how long had an actual merge between the two clubs been on the cards, do you think?
2: It had been seriously on the cards. Um, it was very, very quick, uh, to be honest. So we're talking, I think it was February. Um, I'd, had, um, I'd had a couple of bad weeks at Osset Town. Um, our manager who um, I had a really good sort of relationship with and friendship with um, had done really well for us and we'd had a really good sort of couple of years then we had um, a bad spell of results so when you have a bad spell of results I mean fans start challenging and chairmen start challenging and um, the manager decided that it was time to sort of step back and resign and let somebody else have a go and, and that was particularly disappointing for me because whilst we were in a particular challenging time I didn't want him to go because actually I could see his potential and there were reasons maybe were behind sort of why it wasn't quite performing and and it was and it was going through that thing again it's challenging running two clubs in a small town it takes a lot of time and effort um, finances are challenging and with that I'm thinking to myself is then is now the right time to bite the bullet and um, a take on a merger. And one of the driving sort of factors in it is that uh, Osset Albion had recently been taken over by some new people. Um, and um, so three principal people had sort of become the new owners of Osset Albion. I knew two of them because their son actually played for one of our Osset Town Juniors teams. So I had a connection with new people who didn't have a history. Yeah, And um, I rang Lee Broadbent, who's my vice chairman, and said... I think now might be the right time to um, put on the table a merger and just try and get this done. It'd be better for the town it'd be better, better for the teams better for the clubs. And he, he agreed with me um, completely. And and Lee was a referee. And I think I was speaking to him probably on a Thursday. He was refereeing a junior game on the Sunday, which involved the owner's son. So he said, well, I think the, own, the, the new owners of Albion will be watching this game on Sunday. Do you want me to have a chat with them after the game? And, to see if they're up for a a discussion. They did. Uh, They said they were. We met a couple of days after. We hammered out uh, heads of terms. um, And then we were set a challenge by the FA and the league to formally get everything agreed within six weeks by uh, 31st of March that year. So we could actually do it that year. So from waking up uh, in a bad mood one sort of February morning, we'd actually formalised the decision to merge by the 31st of March, six weeks later.
1: Wow, that's a, a tight turnaround. Because <laughs> if, if that goes wrong, that's a year of lost football, I
2: imagine. Um, but it's not necessarily a year of lost football because we'd have just continued as being Albion and Town. Um, it might have made it more challenging to get through because the, the opposition might have built over that period of time and you, you might lose the impetus of, of doing it. So, but so the timing for us worked out ideal.
1: Amazing. Um, and I'm sure you're going to say yes to this, but uh, do you think the clubs made the right decision to do the merge?
2: Yeah, without without, without a shadow of a doubt, I think um, if you actually look at the reality of it, we were we were get, both both clubs were getting attendances at probably averaging 130, 140 each. Um commercial sponsors were either sort of deciding to sponsor one or the other so we were splitting commercial opportunities a lot of um, a lot of sort of business in the city so well if I sponsor you I'll have to sponsor them so I'm not sponsoring any of you so we were actually losing out on sponsorship because there were, <laughs> there were teams in uh, in the town Um whilst we'd both sort of been in this current league we're in for some years and although we'd be we'd actually been in the in the, uh, the league higher we'd both sort of teetered on the edge of relegation for a number of years um, and you just thought to yourself, well, if, if we don't do something to sort of increase the support base, maximise the commercial income, then um, we'll, we'll survive but will we Will we last in this division? Can we both last in this, this division? And now you look um, and we've gone from 140 to crowds. I know it's, it's been challenging last year with with COVID but Um, say the season before that, averaging sort of 500, makes a massive difference um, to to your finances. So our income has increased probably three or fourfold as it was as individual clubs. Yeah, Our outgoings haven't increased in the same manner because you're only running one club rather than two. Um, And you've got more money to invest in better players and better facilities. Um, It's just been a bit of a shame that since we did merge, We've had two or three fairly major issues that we've had to deal with, um, which have probably meant that we haven't yet fulfilled our potential. But uh, I'm pretty sure in the future we'll be we'll be able to do that.
1: Yeah, it sound, it definitely sounds like like it's positive. Um, and the follow up question to that, which um, I'm trying to sort of uh, you know give the sort of the big headline of the piece really is, um, was it a case of trying to create an Osset super club, as it were? Or was it simply about survival in a town that was perhaps too small for two non-league teams of that level?
2: Um, It it, it wasn't about survival because I think, as I just said, I think both teams would have survived. Yeah. The support base that they've got, but probably not at the level that we're playing at. So it was about creating a super club um, and protecting our status at this level. We're actually seeking to climb the, uh, the football pyramid as well one of the big challenges we've got is that um, our big opportunity potentially is that Wakefield is the largest city. It's the 11, I think it's the 11th largest city in the UK without a football league team. Yeah. And that is a massive admission.
0: Um,
2: mm. And um, and there are a number of teams trying to vie, sort of vie for that position and being that first football league team. And we've got a long way to go for that. But if that can be an ambition that we can aim at over the longer term then why, why yeah why it could be achieved
1: real last question from me then James and we'll move back on to Tom for the last couple um what were the if there were any what were the main concerns of locals at the time when the merge was made public or when it was discussed more formally
2: um I think it's I think it's fair to say that there was overwhelming support of people in the town and those involved in the club um clearly there were people who were opposed. I mean, you're always going to get people opposed, but it was a handful. Um, I mean, and just to put that into perspective, so Osset Town was an unincorporated members club. Um, It had 40 members who actually sort of ran and owned the football club. So if you were to merge, you got to get 75% of them to agree to the merger, otherwise it's not going to happen. So it's not a bo- down to a committee or a board, it's down to 40 members and 40 everyday members of community members of Osset and a whole range of spectrums of sort of people in various professions and expertises and roles and such. We got all those members together for an extraordinary general meeting. And um, we got, I think it was just below 90, I think it was 88% of the members voted in favour of the merger. So there's, I think there's something like four or five members out of 40 said it wasn't for them. Um, and the main reasons for that were really, I think, their weddiness to Osset Town, weddedness to the brand, weddedness to the colours. Because um, we've clearly said that if we're going to merge, we can't retain one of the names. We're going to have to have a different name. Osset United, obviously, was obvious in terms of the two coming together. We couldn't retain one of the kits because it, that would be interpreted as one of the teams being retained as well. Um, and they just didn't like the idea at all, and I mean, and there were there was significant opposition to it from that small that small fan base. So much so that the majority of those haven't followed us at United, um, which is a shame, and that's regrettable. Some of them, I called um, very close friends, and these days I don't even see them because they just it's just upset them that much. that It wasn't for them, but just to stress that that's a minority rather than. Uh, The the overwhelming majority got behind it, which is why we saw suddenly crowds go from 140 each to over 500.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, in every single interview that we've done so far, I think we've come across the phrase, you know, there's a lot of politics in football. (laughs) Doesn't matter what level you're at.
2: No, and there's a lot of politics in community football, especially.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, great. Uh, Tom, do you want to uh, fire us home?
0: Yes, sir. Um, You have kind of touched on this, but I'll ask anyway, what would you say stopped Osset Town achieving the things that United hoped to do?
2: Um, Yeah, it's similar to what what I've just said, really, in, in that you are constrained by your finances. If you're only getting 140 fans in, you're only getting a certain amount of commercial sponsorship in. You can only invest so much in facilities you can only invest so much in the playing staff if you're in the league where they're getting many more fans in or they've got a rich benefactor owner who's investing in the playing side it's hard to compete it's hard to compete at that level um and that and that was the that was the, the real issue which which actually drove us actually doing the merger and, and taking it forward and 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 the finances now are in a much, much better shape than they ever were with two separate clubs.
1: I imagine yeah. the same for players as well, is it? If you've got one club.
2: If you got... Yeah, if you've got... We used to we used to find that players went from one club to another. Um, and if you haven't got a big wage bill, which Osset Town and Osset Albion didn't have a sort of a big um, sort of wage budget, then players would move for 10, 15 quid a week. Um, and you, you wouldn't get it's difficult to get stability, therefore. So, with a bit more money behind you within your, your sort of playing budget, you can invest in players. You can put a few more on contracts, maybe to retain them and keep them um, and get stability. And stability, I think, helps with then performances on the pitch and getting the results and helping you uh, move up that league and achieving what you want to achieve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't aware of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I wasn't aware of um, Osset Albion or, or town before, but um, I as I you know follow the news of non-league, and I I remember um, the merger being announced and went to have a look and I did think, oh wow, the you know the the sort of graphic design here and it looks like a really slick media presentation. So it looked like um, it looked really professional at that time. And then I'm not sure if this was at the time of the merger, but um, United ended up signing Andy Monkhouse. Who was um, one of the heroes of my team? Bristol Rovers getting um, promoted from the conference, so I was like, "Wow, <laughs> clearly they mean
2: business." You're right. We did it. We did do it very professionally, and one of the best things we did um, is putting out there to the fan base, designers a new logo. So we, we'd started the process as you do. Let's design a new logo, and we we got some we got some examples of a board. We loved them. We thought they were great. Um, we had three, we put them out there for people to comment upon. You know what I mean? People either love or hate logos. Um, and uh, it was the same time that Leeds United uh, did their new logo as well, which I won't say any more about, but it's, it's our <laughs> I think we did, it, we did it slightly differently to them. Um, and um, what we then got is loads of people coming forward to us saying, well, we can design you a new logo. So we got loads of new designs coming to us, and then we put three new designs back out, which was a design that had been put forward to us by... Some fans or somebody who'd seen as we were doing this and the logo we've got now, which I think is absolutely fantastic, yeah, is about, not for combination of the
0: two yeah, previous ones absolutely. What was I gonna say? Oh, yeah, he's saying about Ingfield. Um, so were you as a town fan uh, ever worried that the club wouldn't be playing at Ingfield? Like, uh, was Albion's ground ever considered? Does any part of the old place?
2: It was never considered by me. Um, I'll be I'll be absolutely honest with you. So and for me it was a, for me it was a deal breaker. Um, it was either Infield or the merger didn't happen. If I'm being absolutely honest, and there's a few reasons for that. Um, one is is that um, Osset Town owned the freehold for Infield, so we actually owned the ground and had complete control over it, and there was no debt on it. So that puts you in a really good place. Albion had a lease a lease with, uh, from the local cricket club, which was neighbouring in the ground. It had a lease which was quite controlling and quite sort of restraining in terms of what it could do. So it would it would sort of prohibit um, further development and income generation if you weren't careful. Um, and the facilities at Ingfield far superior um, to Albion. And I think Albion fans would acknowledge and accept that as well. So it always made absolute sense to... Uh, located in Ingfield and the location as well Ingfield is banging the centre of town right opposite the bus station over the road is the, the town centre and you couldn't get a better location in in all honesty
0: Yeah, sounds like a real no-brainer
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was and there was no debate over it to be to be honest
0: Fair enough So the final question James, can you tell us a particularly interesting story about your time when the club was still Ossip town?
2: Yeah, good, uh, good question. I could probably tell you lots, um, and I've got a few standout memories, but I'll, I'll tell you one, which is, um, it was interesting, challenging, and ultimately joyful, um, and, and sort of took place over the course of sort of five or six days. So, um, I, I was driving to work on a Tuesday morning, and I got a phone call from, uh, from our manager, um, and um, not the... I'd obviously get phone calls quite regularly from him and uh, normally we'd talk about the upcoming games and uh, signing players or whatever it might be, but this one was to tell me that he uh, was resigning with immediate effect. Um, he'd gone to uh, leave to a, a club at a, a lower level, two leagues lower, but one with a, a rich chairman who was investing lots of money into that club and it was a no-brainer for him. Not to do that because we were struggling to provide the resources that ideally would need at um, Ossett Town, and uh, I understood his reasons. But telling me on a on a Tuesday that he was going, um, and then seeing over the next four days every player apart from two leave the club to go join him at his new club was a pretty bitter pill to to swallow. Him. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a pretty challenging week. And as you can imagine, there was steam coming out of my ears and all sorts of things that particular week. Um, so we had a game on Saturday. If you don't fulfil a game, I did I did contact the league and said, we, we've lost all our players, we've only got 2 we've got a game on Saturday, can we postpone it? The answer was no. Um, if you don't fulfil a game, you're going to get a massive fine. That's um, how the system works. So, started drinking round between us, our under-19s players, our reserves players, can you make yourself available for Saturday? Can we get you Can we get you signed up in time, get all the formalities done? So, um, Saturday morning arrived, I think we had 13 players. So, 11, 11 players and um, two subs. Uh, two of those were first-team players. Uh, 11 of those had never played at this level or anywhere near this level. They were oh, still right. playing junior football or reserve reserve football. We got on a coach and went to um, Camel Laird for a, for a game. Um, and we just all said to ourselves, well, let's just go enjoy the day out and uh, and see what happens. Um, and we just thought we were going to get absolutely hammered. Camel Laird were playing pretty well. We weren't playing that well anyway at that particular time. And then obviously the team being affected. We got there. I think within the first twenty minutes, Camel Laird got a penalty. Um, one of our one of the first team players was the keeper. He saved the penalty, so that was a great moment in the game. Um, and then uh, we battled all game, and uh, we ended up scoring a, a late winner to win one nil. And on. you, can't imagine, <laughs> you can't imagine the feeling. Having been through that for sort of four or five days, what we've been through, the feeling of that winning that game one nil and. I'll tell you now, that coach journey home was, uh, was a memory that uh, I and everybody else on that coach will never, ever uh, forget. I think we had to stock up on beer, at two <laughs> off licenses on the way home just to uh, keep the party uh, keep the party going.
0: Fantastic. That's what it's all about. Camel Laird um, seems to crop up in this series quite a lot.
1: Yeah, in, in the last episode we did, which was um, about my old team, Stone, dominoes, um, we had an incident which was also mentioned as, as the last manager of Stone's uh, interesting story.
2: Yeah, that, re- that reminds me of a similar one, actually. We, um, we were playing Darlington in the league. They were playing at Bishop Auckland in the time because they didn't have a ground. Yeah, yeah. With a Tuesday night fixture, which you know, I mean, getting to Bishop Auckland on a Tuesday night is horrendous. Mm. Um, and they were top of the league, and we were we were somewhere mid, 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 mid table. We got there, got a phone call that our goalkeeper had broken down on the way and wasn't going to make it, so we had to put our striker in goal. Um, and some somehow we won two one. <laughs> so, <laughs> And uh, and uh, and I think that was the night when I was driving home, and they decided to close the A1, and I oh. had to go two and a half hour diversion because the bloody A1 was shut just to get back to it. So that was another so memory.
1: It seems off the pitch that you, you you're pretty cursed, but on it,
2: <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. seem to do all right. <laughs> we've had just curses on it as well, but um, yeah, we've uh, we those stories. That I mean, they're the they're the they're the ones you never forget.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's that's the main reason we decided to do this podcast, because you can go on Wikipedia, you can go on club websites and see the facts of how clubs formed, died, whatever. But what you can't see on Wikipedia or on club websites (laughs) is these stories. So we're really hopeful. So far, we've had some corkers, haven't we,
0: Tom? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is shaping up to be quite a good one. Yeah, Uh, so.
2: Well, if if you asked... um, (laughs) You some of my colleagues what was the best. And because it involves me personally, they probably tell you, but I'll tell you. Um, we were playing Colwyn Bay away. And um, one, we, had a, we had a coach company who used to take us to the games. And the policy of the coach company was that you couldn't drink on a coach. Now, that doesn't go down well with uh, supporters on a coach. So we used to have sort of half the coach with players on and half the coach with supporters on. Anyway, we went to Colwyn Bay this day. And fortunately for us, including me, um, the wives who would normally go decided not to go because it was too long a journey to Colwyn Bay, so they stopped home. So it was an all all lads day out uh, to Colwyn Bay. We got we got the best driver who didn't mind his drinking on the coach, and we went Result. to Colwyn Bay. Um, they had Peroni, my favourite beer, behind the bar, and we're in the bar from one o'clock till watch the game, obviously, and but drinking throughout. And we won two one again, a fantastic performance. We played brilliantly well, you know what I mean really loud support base got back on the coach and we were obviously and decided obviously to have a, a drink again on the way home and uh, the driver decided it, it, it brought it brought us it comes in the disco coach this coach seriously had disco lights <laughs> so he put the disco lights on so all it's like a disco is his coach going up the motorway you know what i mean at 70 mile an hour and us all partying and dancing and and drinking um, suffice to say that um, I ended up a little bit on the uh, the coach on the way home and uh, had to sit down with a plastic bag for a, a best part of the journey. <laughs> but it was a, it was a good one to remember.
1: Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, <laughs> there's always got to be a story that involves a few beers, and if it's a Peroni, even better. That's one of my favourites as well.
2: On the same coach journey, it was um, it was currently the Ossie United treasurer. He was stood sort of dancing a little bit near the toilets and the toilets went down some steps we turned the corner and just went straight down I thought he'd actually fallen down and maybe hit the emergency door and gone out of it he that <laughs> but he survived there.
1: thanks for listening to this part of football podcast We would like to inform listeners that the content of this podcast has been permitted for use in this podcast only, and the content is from the view of the individuals involved, not mine to football. Thank you to Phil Smith, Neville Wigglesworth, James Rogers, Andy Mathery, Craig Biddlestone, and Finella Kelly for sparing their time to help us with this recording.
0: you have enjoyed this presentation please feel free to follow us on twitter at pof underscore reviews on facebook at facebook.com forward slash pint of football uh, we also have a website pint i believe and we have recently joined twitch where we will be streaming football manager and that's twitch.tv forward slash pint of football thank you very much